Many of you know that I have been doing a series in the book of Jude, and we come to the point where we find that people who had come into the church, they weren't real Christians, but they were attaching themselves to the churches of that day because they had a motive to draw people away from the true faith and find an audience to sow seeds of their own doctrine. Do you know that most of the cults and heretical beliefs that exist outside the church try to come into the church to draw believers away from Christ or away from the message, the pure message of the gospel. And that is because we're already interested. We want to walk with God and somebody comes along and says, oh, I've got something special for you. You can walk according to a higher power. I can give you a better revelation. I know more than the pastor does. I know more than the Bible does. I know more than God does. Well, they, they don't realize that that's exactly what they're claiming. And so today, I want to look at confronting spiritual powers. The kind of powers that operate through false teaching, wrong theology, wrong morality, and also the direct experience that we have with spiritual powers that operate against us. Let's have a look at Jude verses 8 to 10. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Many years ago, when I was a new believer, fairly new believer, I was a member of Kensington Temple, and there was a young man who had shown great promise. He was even in training for the Elam ministry. Now, I don't say anything in a way to judge him or be disrespectful. I just want to tell a story which will serve as a warning, not to get too uh, fascinated by, obsessed by demons and spiritual powers. And it might be that his obsession had come from a place of slight mental unbalance. I don't know that. I'm just saying that uh, there, there are various factors here. Anyway, he really believed that he had power authority, special authority, not just to rebuke angels and demons, but to judge them. And he would go about even Notting Hill Gate 
proclaiming judgment against the angels, judging, well, the fallen angels especially, of course, at the top of his voice and eventually he became so obsessed with the spiritual realm that he finally suffered a terrible and life-changing nervous breakdown. Now, I'm telling you the story because what he did was wrong and I don't know what was motivating him, all right? Understand that. But the spiritual realm is very real. And there is a right way and a wrong way to engage in spiritual warfare. If we're to try and confront spiritual powers, the evil influences in the world, whether we consider that we are directly interacting with the spiritual realm or dealing with the effects of demonic control over our lives or our society, we have to be very careful how we go about it. I suggest to you that you learn to confront yourself before you start confronting spiritual powers and not to make the same soul-destroying mistakes of those who we read about in Jude who thought they were spiritual but were not. They were totally unspiritual. And I would encourage you, as I believe the epistle of Jude encourages you, to invest your life in the ways of the Holy Spirit of God. Submit to God and resist the devil. But without that first, walking with God, knowing and discerning the true Spirit of God and being taught by Him, the Bible says that you have an anointing from the Holy One. And what, what is that anointing? That anointing is not the feeling, the, the kind of, you know, shiver down the spine. The anointing is the anointing that gives you understanding and it's the Holy Spirit who teaches you about all things. And when you follow the Holy Spirit, you will not go wrong because the Holy Spirit will lead you to the Bible and the Holy Spirit will take the Bible and apply it to your life. So let's have a look at the false spirituality of these people. We call them the intruders who came into the church in order to intrude and to push their own agenda and to get their own followers. And actually, when we read it carefully, they were really there to fleece God's people out of their money in many ways. All right. Verse 8. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh. Now you can see this is a, a kind of verse-by-verse verse exposition of Jude when it says, yet in like manner, it's linking to what's gone on before. And those of you who followed the message, the last message in this series, you, you will know that we looked at the three major examples of God's judgment in Jewish sacred history in the scriptures. There were the Israelites who came out of Egypt but died in the wilderness over a generation because they were not willing to go into the promised land. We also saw that there were angels that left their proper sphere of operation and came into this earth and began to interfere with the women of this planet, human uh, uh, girls in the, uh, and women. Uh, and then also we saw the, 
the uh, judgment that came upon Sodom and Gomorrah where men who'd always, anyway, broken boundaries and were involved with sexual immorality actually desired to have sexual relationships with angels that were legitimately on a mission in, in, in this world. And so here, Jude says, despite these warnings, these men carry on doing the same thing. Now, what was motivating them? We know what was inspiring them, their dreams and their visions. And it's so easy for people to avoid the hard work of reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures and mastering the Bible, learning the Bible, and just, it, it just say, well, I, I had a dream. Now, it's good to dream. Uh, Martin Luther King had a, had a dream didn't he? Um, and I hope you have a dream. hope you have a God-given dream. I hope you have a godly dream where you say, this is my vision for my life. Or maybe you have a, have a dream and a vision for your life. Now, this, this, these dreams and visions, they were not from God. In fact, it's very clear these were motivated by demonic spirits, by spirits that were not the Holy Spirit. And they were using this kind of false revelation to justify their behavior. They were going to listen to demonic spirits and to other spiritual forces for their guidance. In Isaiah's day, there was a lot of that going on and in Babylon and, uh, uh, you know, coming from Babylon. And Isaiah said, listen, this is no fire to warm yourself. We have a little blow heater here. It's called a space warmer. And if your knees get a bit chilly, we switch it on. And that's a good fire to warm yourself by, but you don't want to get too close to it. And you certainly wouldn't want to mess with it. Now, these people were messing with unholy fire and they were going to get burned. In fact, it was going to destroy them. So their spirituality was false. Do you know we have to be so careful today because so many people uh, uh, on internet and, and um, in personal relationships with believers and people who are, uh, spend all their time talking to angels, talking to spirits, and somehow pretending to be more spiritual than those of us who say, I'm sticking with my Bible, thank you very much. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. No other spirit is going to lord it over me. And this kind of thing sometimes is confusing because you will have people, maybe they're immature Christians, or maybe they somehow are just disobedient Christians. They never talk about the Bible. They talk about what God told them. God told me this. God told me that. And I, I, you know, many, many, many times, Gordon Neal is watching. He says, very often he says, if you can, keep God out of it. In other words, don't attribute your, what you think and what you want to God and say, God told you, because we find that God changes his mind very rapidly. God told me to do this. Well, why aren't you doing it? Well, he told me something different. Has God changed his mind? No, no, no. I'm just following the spirit. So we have to test out our revelation. Now there is a proper manifestation of spiritual dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. 
God uses dreams and visions and revelations of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but always in the context of a disciplined Christian community that have learned together how to hear God's voice and how to test revelations. So this also bred in them a kind of arrogant spirituality. Goes on to say in verse 8, they reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones. Reject authority. Now we know that they rejected the authority of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 4, they call themselves spiritual. They think they're more spiritual than you are, but actually they deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So these were Christ deniers. They rejected the authority of Christ and his apostles. That's why they did not receive the doctrine that Jude was talking about. He says, I want you to contend for the faith that was once delivered for all, once for all delivered to the saints. And, and you know, this is a great test. If people come to you with ideas, with new theories or philosophies or teachings, no matter how amazing it sounds, whether they, they can quote signs and wonders and miracles and angelic manifestations and, and private little conversations, hotline to the spiritual realm, if what they say to you goes against the teaching of Christ and the apostolic revelation in the scripture, then they are not speaking from God. And we must stand for that truth in our generation. It says they deny our only master and Lord. I like the way Jude emphasizes that. It doesn't say they deny our the Lord Jesus Christ, they say they deny our only master. So what this means, a Bible Christian, a person who is surrendered to Christ, they look to the Lord and the Lord alone. We don't serve two masters. We don't go down God's line a little bit and then start serving other gods. We give all our focus and attention and Jesus becomes our only Lord and Master. There are not many lords, just one Lord, and his name is Jesus. Now then, a lot of people say, that's exactly why I don't like you. That's why I don't like Christianity. It's always about coming under the lordship and master of your God. I'm not going to let anybody master me. I won't bow the knee to any God or any Lord. And in the meantime, these are the very ones that are listening to false doctrine to teachings and philosophies of other, not just other religions, but other ideas. And behind those ideas are the doctrines of demons. We'll come to show you how we can come to that conclusion. And so they are being mastered. They're being mastered by spirits and spiritual entities, spirit, uh, uh, teachings which are not from Scripture. And behind any teaching which contradicts scripture, scripture is a demonic force operating, bringing deception. And so these people who say, no, I'm free, you're not free. You're in bondage to the ideas and the spiritual forces and powers that you think you can control, but are actually controlling you. I call upon you to call out for deliverance in the name of Jesus and come and know the true God and the true Lord Jesus Christ and walk in the spirit of the true Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. 
So it says they reject authority and blaspheme. Now, rejecting authority meant that they set themselves up as the masters. I'm the master. I'm a master of myself. I'm master of my own destiny. I'm master of my own choice. I can do what I want to do, however I want to do it. And nobody can criticize me. They appoint themselves. They become self-referential. They become self-shepherding, meaning not just that, as we all do, we need to learn how to take care of ourselves spiritually, to be involved in spiritual self-care. It's very, very important, the same as mental health, self-care, physical self-care, and so on. It's important for us to know how to take care of ourselves spiritually, but that is always in the context of a disciplined structure, a relational structure, the community of God's people, amongst whom God has placed those with special spiritual gifting to take care of you, pastors, shepherds, Bible teachers. God has given an anointing, particularly a gift, for people to do that so that we can all be equipped to share with one another, but also we are ourselves subject to correction. They were self-shepherding. You always know somebody who fits into this pattern because they cannot be told. They know more than you do. They know more than the church leaders. They They even know more than God himself because they start telling you, Stuff that God has never said. So, how do they blaspheme the glorious ones? What a dangerous place to be. To reject Christ's authority and try to interact with the spiritual realm. James says, Submit to God and then resist the devil. Unless you're in submission to God, you have no protection, you have no authority in any way, even to live your own life before you start talking about confronting spiritual powers or combating them, resisting them in your life. Blaspheming the holy ones, what does this mean? Now, This is a kind of arrogant interaction with the spiritual powers. Who are these spiritual powers? I think for present purposes, Jude's description, angels, as he has here, uh, the glorious ones, yep. But specifically, it's a reference to the heavenly sons of God, the spiritual beings whom God appoint created and appointed to serve him in his heavenly rule over the earth, his heavenly council. They are called Elohim. The word Elohim, which it can be used as a description of God himself, unique to him, Ha Elohim, the God, the only God. Elohim simply means spiritual being. God is spirit, and he's not just the supreme spiritual being. He is the eternal, uncreated spirit that brings everything else into being, including these other spiritual beings. Psalm 82, Psalm 89. These are passages that describe some of that. Now, what can happen is that you can pay not enough attention to, don't give uh, um, enough 
um, belief or focus on the spiritual realm. I find that sometimes the talk about angels and demons and things, uh, evangelicals sometimes are embarrassed about it. And so say, well, you know, we just keep that to ourselves. And yet, to believe that there are angels and fallen angels, demons, to believe that there is a spiritual creation is not a big deal if you've already accepted that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you've already accepted that God created the world and God raised Jesus from the dead, you are way, way into supernatural ideas there. We have a supernatural faith. You take the supernatural out of Christianity, all you've got is something more, less than humanistic. But we have a supernatural faith. God is spirit. God is a supernatural God. And he created a spiritual realm inhabited by spiritual beings. And now when you see that, you can actually, if you're not careful, you've still got to be careful because some people see the majesty of the glorious heavenly beings and start to give them undue attention. Start to worship angels. Start to pray to angels. Start to rely on angel power. Start to try and receive messages from angels. And use all kinds of means, which the Bible calls divination. Those are the means by which people can manipulate the spiritual realm, in order to access the spiritual realm and to hear messages from the spiritual realm. This is why we must be very, very careful not to depart from Scripture and not just to open our hearts and minds to any spirit because not all the spirits out there are telling you the truth. Do not believe every spirit. And people who are using all kinds of spiritual techniques and technologies to try and contact the spiritual realm are more likely than not contacting the wrong source. God himself has given us the scriptures. And the scriptures will be God's voice to you as you read the scriptures with the Holy Spirit, with understanding, not just taking scriptures out of context and applying them indiscriminately to yourself, anybody else, but as you study the Bible with an open mind to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come and speak to your heart. And he will speak to you in ways that are so personal and direct. And I have from the scriptures and communion with the Holy Spirit received help and instruction and direction and guidance. I don't need to go to the internet to find out what this person has to say about my love life or what that one medium has to say about my prosperity or whatever some other prognosticator has to tell me about anything. I go to the scriptures and I hear the voice of God, and Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, guides me. And this is the birthright of every believer who has the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. So, do I end up worshipping angels if you give them too much attention, or thinking you can control them? Now, these people consider themselves superior to the angels. Why? 
They weren't very fond of certain angels. It seems that they were going about judging angels, which probably suggests that they were going out for those fallen angels and trying, you know, to bring judgment ahead of time. The day of judgment has not come. Now the prince of this world is judged, but the manifestation of that judgment will only be manifested at the coming of Jesus Christ. Try to judge angels now. You're going to be in trouble. But God is preparing you and me for the day in which we will be exalted with Jesus Christ in the heavenly places, seated at his right hand and given to rule and reign with him. Now we have that position, but it's not yet manifested. We do not yet see that in our experience, but the time is coming when we will judge angels. We will be used by God in a high position. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 3, Hebrews 2 verses 5 to 8. Look at the scriptures later. We have an incredible inheritance. We will rule and reign with Christ in the future kingdom, but now... Oh no, 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 no. Now we walk by the Holy Spirit. We don't come into the kingdom yet in respect of those things. Now they consider themselves superior to the angels. I think they had it in for the angels. Maybe the angels, maybe the angels that he's talking about here were, were the angels that the, the, the people understood to be on God's side, on the side of the law of Moses, on the well, not uh, during Old Testament times, and that was applicable. The Holy Spirit leading us into all truth, the Holy Spirit helping us walk in holiness. So they believe that, uh, nope, we are better than the angels and we can start judging angels. And this led to dangerous interaction with the spiritual powers. Verse 9 describes a story that we don't find in the Old Testament, but we find it in Jewish literature. That's the story of the archangel Michael contending with the devil and disputing about the body of Moses. That's in verse 9. You can read it on the screen. So where does this story come from? It comes from intertestamental Jewish literature, godly Jewish writings. Now, the very fact that Jude quotes this and lays it into Scripture, it shows that this is a true incident. Some say, well, he's just using this as an example. You know that story about Michael, you know, in our traditions? It's not true, but it tells us a point. Now, that's one way of interpreting it, but I believe... That, that Jude is actually, God shows him that this, this story, this Jewish story, this Jewish tradition was grounded in fact. And so we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 6. That is the death of Moses. Deuteronomy 34 and verse 6. And what it says there, it describes the death of Moses. Time was Moses was coming and God said, it's time for you to, to pass on. You're going to die and the Bible says that God buried Moses. What a funeral service that was. God buried Moses. And because God buried Moses, nobody knew where the body was. Nobody knew where the grave was. And so this was intriguing. Why is this such a mystery? What's going on here? 
And so what we understand from this story is that there was a demonic contention with God concerning Moses' body. The devil wanted Moses' body. But God said no. Now the devil might have had an accusatory argument. This Moses, that he's mine. Moses is mine. He killed the Egyptian. Moses is mine. He disobeyed the Lord. Moses is mine. Moses is not allowed to go in the promised land. Moses is mine. Now, as an insight into spiritual warfare, we find the devil is actually contending with Michael. Michael is one of the archangels, one of the warring angels, archangels, very powerful. And it's possible that Lucifer was within that category before he fell and became the devil. So here's a big argument going on. Contest Now, Michael did not use his own authority. I am the archangel of God. You, you low down, dirty rat. You've disobeyed God and I'm going to give you what for. I'm going to tell you what for. I am going to bring you to judgment. No. That was the kind of thing that person was saying all those years ago. I was telling you about. No, no. The archangel Michael, who's glorious. Glorious. One word from an angel. 185,000 people died. Glorious, powerful. You've no idea what you're messing with. If you try to mess in the spiritual world out of turn, right? That angel, that archangel said, didn't say, I'm going to sort you out. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Interesting. He deferred to the judgment of Almighty God. I learned a lesson very early on. I've got my fingers burnt. I want to tell you the, the, the truth about that. Very early on, when I was a new believer, it was weeks or months, I think. And I would walk from my studio apartment. We called them bed sitters in those days. Right the way to where I would go for my dance training and on later on into, into work. And go from there to visit a believer, elderly lady, Sister Kate. Gordon Neal, remember those days, and everybody was sister and brother. So it would be Sister Kate, Brother Colin, and so on. And this lady was a great disciple, and we gathered in her basement flat with other believers in what was, we understood to be cell groups at that time. And every day as I walk on my way either to the tube station or to the dance studio or to the um, cell meeting, I passed a house on the corner. And this house was painted with weird colors and weird symbols. It was a house which was promoting a kind of a cult, not a kind of a cult, a cult, the divine light mission. Guhu Maharaji, I remember. And the stuff that was coming from that was awful. And they were bringing children in. And one of the things they used to do is, you're going to see the divine light. Close your eyes. 
I don't see no divine light. They poke him in the eye and say, oh, I see something now, but that was you. No. Uh, and, and far worse. And I took it upon myself to deal with this situation. I'm not going to let that happen. Not in my neighborhood. So without talking to God about it, without asking, without hearing anything from God, I would walk past that house. And every time I walked past that house, I would take out my spiritual machine gun and go... And then again, two times a day, three times a day. Until something happened. I found myself under such oppression and depression and at a cell meeting, I said, you know what? I just feel like giving up. And that sister Kate came under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and said, brother, I tell you it's that house. Stop it. I said, what are we going to do? She said, God didn't ask you to do that. I said, what are we supposed to do then? She said, we're going to hand it over to the Lord. And we got together, no more confronting demons, no more shouting at bricks and mortar, possessed by evil spirits, or whatever was going through my wild imagination. We handed it over to the Lord, which is the principle here. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord judge this situation. May the Lord take action. And so I never did any of that confrontation anymore. I just praised God it was in the Lord's hands. Within three weeks, that house was closed. They were out of there and the spiritual atmosphere was cleansed. So you see what I'm talking about. You don't mess with what you don't understand. You don't tamper with the spiritual realm. Don't have such a fascination with the spiritual realm that you're open to everything. Don't have such a fascination with angels that you're looking up maybe what the angels might be saying to you on the internet. There is deception out there. There's divination out there. You need discernment and you need to be rooted in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says... Now the Spirit, Holy Spirit, expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Here it is in the Scripture. There's the Holy Spirit and there, there are angelic spirits, spiritual beings that are on the side of the Holy Spirit, but you have the Holy Spirit on the one side, and then you have these deceitful spirits, the, 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 the demons that bring lies and deception that will encourage you to depart from the faith. And so do not believe every spirit. 1 John 4 verses 1 to 4 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? For many false prophets have gone out into the world. How do we know? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses 
that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and now is in the world already. That's the spirit of Antichrist. And you know what, uh, what, what the source of a certain spirit is. You know whether this is demonic or not by what the message it conveys. What's the doctrine? What's the understanding? That's why Jude was saying, contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. It will keep you from the deception that is coming into the world through the doctrines of demons and false prophets. It's a long time since I've stood in this pulpit and, and gone on like this about not messing and tampering with demonic spirits and, and, and needing the deliverance of the Lord. That's why I'm being strong today, So because we're, we're not fanatical about this. We don't preach about this every Sunday. We go on to follow Jesus. We don't focus on that negative stuff. But Jude is reminding us that we must not fall into the error of the false spirituality and arrogant spirituality because we're listening to the wrong spirits. Test everything by the word of God. Amen and amen. They were, verse 10, intruders. They were without the spirit. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Very interesting play on words here. They don't just blaspheme the glorious ones. They blaspheme all that they do not understand. They speak slanderously against the truth, slanderously against believers. And in, in doing all of this, they think that they are clever. They think that they are superior. They think that they have superior power. No, it is destroying them. It will destroy you. Get back to the Spirit of God. If you are interested in the spiritual realm and you are spiritually thirsty, put aside all of those spiritual technologies and ideas and come to the scriptures to find out how you know what is from God and what is not from God. And more importantly than anything else, don't look to the angels, but look to the one who created the angels. Don't look to the stars of heaven as if they can map out your destiny. Look to the God who created the stars of heaven. He will watch over you as he watches over the stars. He says, they don't have the Holy Spirit. In fact, they're not just behaving like natural beings without the Spirit. They are behaving like animals. Unreasoning. Reason is one of the things that distinguishes us from the beasts. Animal instinct was all they had. What he's really saying here is they've given into their animal instincts so they can have an uncontrolled expression of all of their desires. And obviously they will be destroyed by these under the judgment of God, treading where angels fear to tread. Wow. How are we to go about confronting spiritual powers. Well, I have been arguing all the way through this that we need to control our own spirit. 
Psalm 16, verse 30, Proverbs 16, verse 32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. That's telling. God wants you to master yourself. God wants you to take control of your life, of your desires. Bring them to Christ. Bring them under the control of the Holy Spirit. Master the scriptural understanding. Understand what the Bible teaches. Understanding what the true nature of spirituality is. The true nature of spirituality is that which is activated and promoted by the Holy Spirit in you through faith in Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit brings true spirituality. All other forms of spirituality are uh, pseudo-spurious. And so, truly confronting spiritual powers, true spiritual warfare is living a holy life. That's how you confront them. Jesus said just before the crucifixion, the prince of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. The only way the enemy, the devil, can have influence in you and over you is the permission of God, number one, and the ground you give to him. Not to God, but the devil. So you yield to God, not the devil. You can resist the devil. That's spiritual warfare. That's living a holy life. Can you see it? Then learning how to tear down arguments. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about tearing down arguments, the strongholds of the mind. In context, he's talking about the strongholds, the teaching that had gripped people's minds from false teachers that had been inspired by demonic spirits in rebellion against God. That's the context, and that's important. But it also includes our own thoughts, bringing your mind into captivity, bringing every thought into captivity. Because often, the way the enemy works is by sowing seeds of doubt, deception, accusation, intimidation in our minds. And when we learn to take a grip of our minds, and this is how I do it. Yeah, I need to do it every day, and not just once a day either. I find that when an attacking kind of thought takes hold of my mind, And I recognize it for what it is. I say, Lord, I bring this thought to you. I ask you to cleanse it with the blood of Jesus Christ. And I reject it in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it all happens very quickly. I mean, it's not like I have to go around and I don't even think that Amanda will be noticing me doing this. Because I've learned how to control my thing and bring my thoughts under the power and control of the Holy Spirit. That's what my friend should have done all those years ago. And then in this, you confront spiritual powers by number one, living a holy life. Number two, tearing down arguments, strongholds of the mind. Number three, standing in your victory in Christ. Jesus said, I send you out and I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And he was able to give it 
to us because of who he was. And don't forget Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. Time is gone. I'll tell a quick story. I'm coming to land very soon. I was in Tunisia. We were reaching out to a number of young people. Some of us were out there on a mission. I won't say too much more about that. And um, in an evening, having coffee, people began to scream in terror. Um, and I didn't know what was going on. Anyway, they spoke in Arabic, which in Tunisian, I didn't understand it. Then they spoke a bit of French, I'd, I followed it. They had all seen a spirit, all of them together, a spirit come out of the wall and, and kind of scare them. I didn't see it. I was too busy. You know, I didn't. Anyway, when... When I heard what they were screaming at, I had to minister. And I said, now listen, you know I'm a follower of Christ and this is what we do. I took authority in Jesus' name. That was meaning God showed me to do it. Not like shouting at that house, you know, but this was real from God. Took authority and the people were immediately assured and calmed from wanting to know more about the power of Jesus Christ. So we stand in our victory. Jesus Christ has given you victory. You do not need to be the uh, subject of demonic oppression and surrender to demonic powers. Submit to God he will resist the devil and he will flee from you. Another way of saying this is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's enough. You pray that prayer in faith. You don't have to do some kind of spiritual version of a voodoo dance and yell and scream to get anything done. Resist the devil, he will flee. Deliver us from the evil one. So we stand in our victory in Christ and finally we proclaim the gospel. Why? Because Jesus said the prince of this world is judged already and the spirit of God will convince the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. And in the context of preaching the gospel and deliverance from sins and forgiveness, that is how, as Reinhard Bonke used to say, you plunder hell and populate heaven. That's how you destroy the kingdom of darkness. It's all about souls, my friend, bringing people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's love. And in the meantime, continuing to walk in holiness and humility and waiting for that time when we'll be exalted with Christ. Now we're in training for reigning, but in the future we'll be reigning with Christ for eternity.